morning. I'm not seeing the uh, timer up here, Nick. Oh, man, that's a bad sign. All right. Uh, well, seeing that uh, it is, in fact, Resurrection Sunday, uh, we are in Mark chapter 13, verse 32. Word of the Lord reads like this. But of that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. Take heed, keep on the alert, for you do not know when the appointed time will come. It is like a man away on a journey, who upon leaving his house and putting his slaves in charge, assigning to each one his task, also commanded the doorkeeper to stay on the alert. Therefore, be on the alert. For you do not know when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening, at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning. In case he should come suddenly and find you asleep, what I say to you all, be on the alert. This is the word of God. Welcome and happy Easter. As many of you are aware, who have been long-term attenders here, that we tend to not do one-off sermons for the holidays that land on our Sundays. We continue on with our expositional preaching uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, the first and foremost is it makes uh, sense to do so and to not, uh, not veer from that. Secondly, in this case of Mark, we will soon be into the actual resurrection account, uh, the death and resurrection of Jesus in the next few weeks. And so we don't want to do that over again. We are continually surprised how the scripture fits with the particular holidays that we come up to in the Christian calendar. And it will, hopefully you will see that again here today. So last week, as John spoke in the previous verses, uh, we are speaking about those that will be alive when the end times begin. A lot of what Jesus has spoken about in chapter 13 deals specifically with end times events. He does speak at times about the immediacy of things that will occur, like that the apostles and whatnot will be arrested and they'll be drawn before the courts and whatnot like that. But a lot of what he's talking about is when these end times occur. Just a reminder, he starts it out in verse in chapter 13, verse 1, when one of his disciples says, look at the wonderful stones of the building of the temple. And then Jesus says in verse 2, he says, not one will be left one upon another, referencing what is going to occur in 70 AD with the overthrow of Jerusalem. One, point, one million plus Jews will be killed by the Romans then. But then he talks about the abomination of desolation, about how the temple at some point in the far future will be rebuilt. That the Antichrist will put itself in as the, the object of worship there. 
you could understand how there would be concern about these end time things. How will they know Jesus is leaving the building of the church to them, although they don't have their marching orders quite yet, but they will be getting them. Jesus says in verse 23 something we should keep in mind. He says, but take heed, behold, I've told you everything in advance. The things that Jesus is telling them is everything that they need to know. Not things that they want to know. Not details that they wish they knew. But everything that they need to know. There's nothing more that you need to know about these end time events than what I am telling you. This is the important thing. You don't need to speculate about them. You don't need to wonder and make things up about them. I'm telling you everything you need to know. He said in verse 30, he says, Truly I say to you that this generation, the one that's alive when this occurs, will not pass away until these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day or hour, here we go, but of that day or hour when those things occur, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone knows. Think about what Jesus is saying there. He has said before, I am telling you everything in advance. And He gives this ascending list of authority in this when He says this. Guess what? The day and the hour is not known by the angels. The day and the hour that this is going to occur is not known by the Son the incarnate Son of Jesus that's standing before them. Only the Father knows when this day is. In other words, these disciples that are sitting there, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, they were introduced back in verse 3. He said, "Only this is what you need to know, that I sitting before you would not be able to tell you the day or the time that this is going to occur. And guess what? It's not important when the day or the hour is. I have told you and I'm telling you everything in advance that you need to know about this particular point in time. Many people don't like to hear that. Many people like to speculate about what the end times will look like. Many people like to take verses out of context and read into them things that don't exist there. They like to be fascinated by these things instead of being fascinated by the Son who is Jesus Christ. They like to speculate about what it's going to look like at the end times instead of the nature and character of Jesus Christ in the work that was done on the cross which we celebrate today. There's a caution there. It's interesting that Jesus says that He does not know the day or the hour in His incarnate form. Remember, Philippians Philippians 2 tells us that He has set aside His reliance on His divinity. Right? It's not important for Him here to know this. But what is important is the lessons He's going to teach us about this time. Jesus hasn't held anything back that they need to know. I cannot stress that enough. He hasn't said, oh, there's these secret things I wish I could tell you, but I'm not going to. No, He's told them what they need in advance to know. 
Now, you might find that people are disturbed by the fact that Jesus indicates that he does not know the date or the hour. They might say things like, well, that shows that Jesus isn't God, or you know, that shows that his divinity was not complete, or anything like that. I can tell you, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that is an incorrect statement. It is obvious that the way that Mark writes his gospel here, that Jesus is God incarnate. And it's also obvious, by the way Mark writes his gospel, that it is not important that Jesus know the day or the time in his incarnate form. What is important is the lessons that he's going to teach them here. Look at verse 33. He says, Take heed, keep on the alert. A double imperative right there. This is the thing that you must do. I have told you these things. Take heed, keep alert, keep watch. Don't fall asleep. Don't be sleepy. Keep your eyes forward. Keep me in focus. Don't drift away. Be on the alert. For you do not know when the appointed time will come. The emphasis that he has here, you don't know when this event is going to occur. The problem becomes, the problem is, is that if we were to know when something is going to happen, If they were to know when something is going to happen, they might procrastinate in the things that they need to do. They might not stay alert if they knew something was going to happen down the road. There is a difference when a teacher says there's going to be a pop quiz sometime this week, or when the teacher says there's going to be a quiz on Friday. Be prepared, the teacher would say. And if it's going to be a pop quiz at any time, you don't know when it's coming, you need to be on and prepared. I know for a fact if the teacher would say there's a test or a quiz on Friday, I'm probably waiting until Thursday to study for it. The problems that they have are the same that encompass all of us as humans. When we prepare for a vacation, we don't prepare six months in advance. We start packing the bags the the day before or a couple hours before. But Jesus is saying here, you don't know, only the Father does. I don't know at this point in time. He said, you don't know what is happening or when it's going to happen, so you need to stay on the alert and to keep watch. Now he's going to tell us what for, but let's look at Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1. Something to keep in mind. We preached through this uh, a couple years ago. It says, We must pay closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. The writer of Hebrews telling us that the things that we have heard, the gospel that we have heard, we must pay attention to it so that we do not drift away from it. We must pay attention to what the Scripture says so that we don't drift away from it. We must be alert in our Christian walk so that we don't fall into snares and traps. 
We talked about it a little bit in the Sunday school class today that these things can beset the Christ follower. That you can fall into snares and traps if you're not paying attention. We have the knowledge we need in the book to tell us how to live. But sometimes we don't pay attention to it. Sometimes we don't heed the words of advice. I would suggest to you that when Jesus says, take heed and keep alert, that we should take heed and keep alert. That we should not fall asleep at the wheel. Remember that image of the man in the plow, that no one can, can come after me who has one hand on the plow and the other hand is looking behind him. He needs to be looking ahead, focused. And Jesus is telling them they must be focused too. He says, because you do not know what time it is. The, the, the word there is kairos. We hear that. We can use it here. It's not, we've heard kairos said in our, in, in our world before. This is an idea, not a set period of time, but like a, a long... It is a word that there's really no equivalent in the English of. It is an, it's an encompassing time, a period of time, but not like an hourly time or a minute time. It's just it's something that we have a hard time grasping what it means. The word that is used here to give the, the best I can do for you is like this. If we had a clock up here, and all it had on it was the minute hand, and all you saw was the minute hand going around, I can see that somehow time is passing, but I have no idea what time it is. I can look all I want at that, but I can't tell you whether it's 5.30 or 4.30 or 3.30 or 2.30 or 1.30. I have no idea because I don't have all the information I need. Jesus is telling them, you don't know what that time is. Like you're looking at the clock. So I'm telling you, you need to stay alert. Don't focus on that clock. You need to focus on other things. You need to do what is set before you, specifically right here, the four. But then it'll be more. Keep alert. Keep watching. Don't fall asleep. We can't miss that in that second, uh, that second word there. The word for keeping alert is the idea of not falling asleep of being awake and being watchful, of paying attention. There is a danger, Jesus is pointing to, there's a danger of not being on the alert. And he comes to this story. If we took the time and we were to look at all the stories that Jesus tells, all of his illustrations, all of his parables, every one is something that the hearers would be familiar with. Every one is, as soon as he starts in the story, they say, yeah, you know, I, I recognize these, these people you're talking about. I recognize these farm images you're talking about. I recognize all these things that you're saying about. So I can relate to what you're saying, Jesus. This makes sense to me. I can, I can draw from this illustration. I can remember what is being said so that I can apply it to my life and apply it to my walk. So this particular story in verse 34 Remember he said, take heed, keep watch, keep alert, don't fall asleep. 
And he says in 34, he says, it is like a man, it is like a man who left his house and goes on a journey. Not the journey of a day, but the idea here is an unknown period of time, but a long period of time. This man has a house and he's left and he's gone. It says he gave to his slaves authority. He gave them the ability to do things and to each one of that of those slaves, of the authority that he gave them, his work. And to the doorkeeper, he gave orders that he should be alert. Now, we're going to be here for a little bit of time, and so maybe we should talk a little bit about slavery in this, this period of time, in this, this, this area. Very familiar that they would be with the slavery. We're not going to talk about Hebrew slavery, which is slightly, slightly different, because we're under Roman authority that's here. Slavery at this time could be very cruel. We don't understand what it's like for a person to be the property of another person. We have a hard time grasping what that means. But in this case, that's exactly what it means. That that person's value was only that of property that they were fully owned and under control of the master of the house, that they could not do things under their own authority. They had no decision-making ability of their own, only what was given to them to do. Now, of course, there would be rankings of these people in a household if it was large enough, that there might be slaves that were set over other slaves. But slaves, nonetheless, that answered to the master of the household. That answered to the person that had sole charge of their life in their ability to stay alive was in that master's hand. The system was fraught with corruption and cruelty. That doesn't mean that all slave owners were cruel. But these people, these slaves, were property. They had no rights. Interestingly enough, you will hear uh, the charge uh, against uh, Christianity about supporting slavery, so forth and so on. When you go back to Exodus, when you see the Exodus of the Israelites, and you see the the slavery changes significantly, You see God working to get rid of the entire system of slavery. To turn it into what would be hired help. You see it working through God's desire. You would see it in Hebrew, like for the Hebrews themselves, uh, if a Hebrew became a slave, and you might voluntarily go into slavery if you were a Hebrew, because of you, something might have occurred, you might have lost a family member, you might have, had, you might have lost your property, and you had to go into slavery, that a Hebrew could not be a permanent slave of another Hebrew. There was only for a period of time. I just mentioned that to you, that the slavery and the charges against Christianity about slavery and stuff, we have to be very careful. We have to very carefully look at the context and say, is that truly what God wanted? Or sometimes do we see people 
that claim to be Christians, that are Christians, that do things that are against God's ways. And we certainly do. We see Christians doing sinful things all the time. But in this case, this story of these slaves, it says he gave his slaves authority to each his own work, and the doorkeeper he gave orders to be on the alert. This man is leaving his home. Perhaps he has fields, perhaps he has grapevines, perhaps he has olive trees. He's leaving, but the house and the fields and the business need to keep running while he's gone. He gives them authority to work within these parameters to get this work done. Don't miss the fact that the doorkeeper is also a slave. Here's the authority I'm giving you. This stuff needs to be done while I'm gone. I expect it to be done while I'm gone. I expect that you're going to do everything I have asked within your ability while I am gone so that when I return, I will find the house not only in the same condition I left it, but the work completed. Hopefully at this point in time, we have some synapses that are firing in our brains and we're going to see, this is, hey, this is Jesus telling this. Jesus is talking to the disciples. He's telling them a story so that they'll understand things. Maybe there's something here for me. The doorkeeper, keep on alert, don't fall asleep. Keep on the alert for my return, don't fall asleep. Keep on the alert so something doesn't happen here while I'm gone. All in anticipation of the return of the Master. Jesus wraps up the story rather quickly here. All of a sudden he shifts from this story about he just... He, his whole story is, slaves do the work that I've given you to do and be on the alert. This is the story of a man who left on a journey, who left from where he was at, who will, will be returning at some point in time. We don't know when. But you guys do the work while I'm gone and keep watch for the master to return. And then Jesus shifts in verse 35. He says this. He says, therefore... Be on the alert. Now he has taken it from the story and he's talking directly to them and directly to those that will be in the future. He says, therefore, because of this, stay on the alert. What is Jesus saying? Why is he saying it like he is here? He says, because you don't know when the master of the house is coming. It's not if the master will return, it's when the master is returning. Now, Jesus, now we have to be careful on this one. Jesus is now, he's told the story, and now he's pointing to them. He says, therefore, you've heard this, be on the alert. I told you the story about them being on the alert. You be on the alert because you don't know when the master of the house is coming. You know, the master, which would be the return of me when the end times is coming, when, I, when you don't know that time, you be on the alert too. All those who are alive at that time, be on the alert. Not staring at the clock with the face and just the one hand. 
but with the authority that you've been given to do the work that you've been given to do. In other words, be obedient. These followers, these ones that He is going to leave behind in a few short days when He is crucified, are to be obedient, doing their task, keeping alert. He says there, You do not know when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening, at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning. The four periods of the night watch of Roman time. Notice how he hasn't talked about the daytime. We shouldn't read that the second coming would be, or the end times would happen only at night. But why would he be talking about the night watch? Think about these people now in the Master's home. You've been given authority to do the work. You know what your job is. You know that you're supposed to be obedient or it could turn out poorly for you if you're not. And Jesus says you don't know whether the Master is coming at the evening or midnight or when the rooster crows or early in the morning. The four times of the night watch in Roman time. Three-hour intervals. Think about it for a second. Uh, They have... Imagine the person being on watch in this household. Imagine them sitting at the front door. We've got to keep the robbers away. We've got to keep all the, you know, we've got to make sure everything's maintained. We've got to make sure the sheep are in their pen. We've got to make sure nobody's getting in, stealing olives from us or grapes. You know, he's given me this charge, and he could be a hard man, so I need to be, I need to be watchful. He's given me the task to do, and I want to be a good servant. And I'm sitting at the door, I'm sitting in that chair. I'm keeping watch because He could be coming at any given time and He told me to be ready for His return. Oh, but that night is dark. And I don't have a cell phone to play the games on or to surf the internet. I don't have satellite radio to listen to to keep my mind going. There's no TV. Just staring off into the darkness waiting for the Master's return. It's easy to get sleepy. The lids get heavy. You're, you're, you're just hoping that, well, maybe if I just nod off a little bit, I'll bob my head and I'll catch myself and I'll be awake. Ah, there's no way he's coming tonight. It's so dark out there. It, it, maybe it's even rainy. He won't come tonight. You know, Maybe I can fall asleep. Maybe I can catch a little shut-eye. We've probably all done that where he said, I'm just going to take a little nap, and then four hours later, you're still on the couch. Jesus said again right in the beginning, be on the alert. You don't know when He's coming. Listen, you don't know in this night watch. It's so dark and it's so tiresome. But be on the alert. It's so important. Those late hours of that night. Let's look at Luke 21, verses 34 to 36. He gives us a little more detail in this synoptic gospel. He says, be on guard so that your hearts will not be weighted down 
with dissipation and drunkenness and with the worries of life. And that day will not come on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all those who dwell on the face of all the earth, but keep on alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Don't forget that Mark is such a triage gospel. It's so quickly given to us, and the, the truths that it gives us are so quick. We have some more details there, but just listen to what he's saying. Don't be weighted down with dissipation and drunkenness, the worries of life. These things and these entertainments you seek after, do not let those get in the way of being alert. Don't let those take away from what you're supposed to be doing. He says there, it will come upon you like a trap if you do. You will be surprised. The Lord's not coming today. He's not coming tonight. Do you want to be caught not doing those things that you were given authority to do? Jesus is talking to them about being spiritually distracted. Are you giving your life knowing who Jesus is? As Peter tells us, to growing in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior? Or are you letting it drift away? like we read in Hebrews. Are you letting it take you, are you letting these things take you away from the only thing that's true, which is Jesus Christ? Are you letting these things take you away from the focus of the cross? Are you letting these things take your eyes away from who Jesus is and what He has done? Are you drifting away from these things? Are you willingly doing it? Are you falling asleep in the night watch? Those four hours. Are you letting the lids get heavy? Jesus says repeatedly, be on the alert. It is active responsibility is what He's telling us. You are to be active in your faith. He is telling them, don't fall asleep. And why? Verse 36, lest He arrives suddenly and find you sleeping. You don't know when He's coming, and you don't want to be found asleep at the wheel. What in this case of these slaves and these, the doorkeeper, what if the, 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 the master had come home and he found these slaves, he had found his house robbed, he had found the olives taken, the grapes were gone, the sheep were killed or are gone, what would his reaction be to those, those slaves that he left there? The ones that He gave specific authority to. The ones that He said, be obedient and do this thing while I'm gone. I will return, but you won't know when. My business is taking me elsewhere for a period of time. I'm not sure how long it's going to take. But don't fall asleep. Pay attention to what needs to be done. And do it. But then were He to come home and find the sheep gone, to find the olives gone, to find the house robbed, what would, the, what would the Master's reaction be? Look at Luke 12. Luke 12, 35-47. It's a longer passage, so just, I'll just read through it quickly. Jesus speaking, says, Be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps lit. Be like a man 
who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast, so that they may immediately open the door to him. When he comes and knocks, blessed are those slaves whom the master will find on the alert when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will gird himself to serve and have them recline at the table and will come up and wait on them. Whether he comes in the second watch or even the third or finds them so, blessed are those slaves. Notice how he's talking about the night watch again. The time when you're most likely to fall asleep. The the time when you're most likely to lose your concentration. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. You too be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Hear this. He's telling them that. He is coming at an hour that you do not, be, you do not expect. Be ready for that hour to come. Peter said, Lord, are you addressing this parable to us or to everyone else as well? And the Lord said, who then is faithful and sen- who then is the faithful and sensible steward whom his master will put in charge of his servants to give them their rations at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if the slave says in his heart, my master will be a long time in coming and begins to beat the slaves, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. And that slave who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in accord with his will will receive many lashes. I don't know how often we can say it, when Jesus says to be alert, he's not joking. Jesus is not saying this is optional. He's saying, be on the alert. It is going to get deadly serious in the next few days for him. The work that is done, and then the work that is going to be left for the apostles. When that work is done. Don't fall asleep, or you will be punished or killed. And then he follows it up again. The fourth time he tells them to be alert, in verse 37, what I say to you, I say to who? Everyone. This is not only for you. This is not only for the end times people. This is for everyone. Be on the alert. Don't fall asleep. Be on the alert. He says it four times here. Be on the alert. Don't fall asleep in the night watch. Don't let your hand off the plow. Don't hold your hand on the plow and be looking behind you. Keep your eyes focused on me. And in a few days, all those eyes are going to be focused on the cross. In a few days, all all the things and all the prophecies are going to be fulfilled. There is literally a freight train that is coming that they don't see. And He's told them it's coming, and they still don't see it. So when Jesus says, be on the alert, be on the alert. Don't fall asleep. One last parable, because the parables are so much better than anything I could come up with. Matthew 25, verse 1 through 13. 
Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the prudent took oil and flasks along with their lamps. And now while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. Do you guys remember, I'm going to stop right there. Do you remember when John preached the other week? And when Jesus tells them that the temple is going to be destroyed, and 20 years have passed after Jesus told them that, and 30 years have passed after Jesus told them that, and it still hasn't happened, one can imagine getting sleepy, not paying attention, not paying attention spiritually. And we can all relate to that. So we want to pay attention to these words of Christ when He says to be alert. And He tells them here about these foolish virgins who didn't take any oil with them in waiting for the bridegroom. Verse 5, Now while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. Verse 6, But at midnight there was a shout, Behold, the bridegroom come out to meet him. Then all the virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, Give some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, No, there will not be enough for us and you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourself. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready, those who were ready, those who were ready, those who were ready, went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Later the virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. What does Jesus say in verse 13? Be on the alert, for you do not know the day or the hour. Don't get sleepy. We shift a little. The church... It needs to be ready for the bridegroom's return. The church is what Christ died for. We, as the church, have been given authority. We, as believers, have been given authority. We have been called to be obedient. We've called to make disciples. We've been called to spread the good news to the ends of the earth. In a few short days, then this and the book of Mark will find that the Disciples will hear that for themselves. They will see the prophecies that have come true. They will see the words that Jesus has said will come true. They will be tested to a degree that we can't understand. That I certainly wouldn't want for myself. They will celebrate the Passover with Him. They will take the bread from Him. They will drink the cup with Him. They will hear words of a new covenant that they probably won't fully understand when they're spoken. They will hear words that one of their own will betray them, betray Him. One that was with them the entirety of the time will betray Jesus. 
But do they really understand that the Son of Man must truly suffer and die? Were they alert when these things were happening? We know they fell asleep in the garden when they were told to pray, and they did it more than once. Did they understand that Jesus truly would become the curse in our place? Did they realize in mere hours from that night that he would bear the stripes for their and our iniquity? Did they truly believe the prophet Isaiah that said he would be pierced for our transgressions? They couldn't face the brutality of the cross because we know that almost all of them turned away. Did they understand what it meant to be the cursed one hanging on a tree, which he did, outside of his father's house, outside of the city, in the place of sinners, the sinless one, Did they understand those words, or would it still take time? All their thoughts of Him, their ideas of Him, being destroyed with each of the blows of the nails driven through His flesh and His bones. Their immediate loss had to be stunning and shocking to them, unable to understand what was going on, even though he told them everything they needed to know ahead of time. And even told them that he would rise again ahead of time. Even though he demonstrated his power when he rose Lazarus from the dead beforehand. Did they understand when they saw the fact that he was buried in the tomb of a rich man as the prophecies foretold? Those days from Good Friday till Resurrection Day had to be fairly difficult for them, and that is an understatement. It was far more difficult for Jesus, bearing the weight of sin that he never committed, bearing an eternity's worth of sin for all those who would believe, and the punishment for it. One can only imagine what they were thinking when they walked to the tomb, when they stooped down to look in, and words were said of why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? Why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? Do we watch at the door like the doorkeeper? Are we looking for the living? Or are we looking in that tomb for a dead body again? Do we know the risen Christ and that cross is empty, the tomb is empty, that He is risen, sitting at the right hand of the Father or not? Are we watching and anxiously awaiting being obedient for the second coming of our Savior? Are we desiring that time to be in His presence fully and completely? To not only know Him, but to be fully known by Him? Or are we asleep at the plow? Are we looking behind us? Are we looking at our phone and ignoring the Savior? Is it one more thing on Netflix that I've got to watch and then I'll get to my Bible? 
Why are we looking for the living amongst the dead? And I can tell you right now, if you're looking at your phone, you're looking for the living amongst the dead. Because you're looking at a bunch of dead things in your phone. Things that will not give you life. Unless you're you're looking at the Scripture. All the things that he taught them happening according to the Scripture. Imagine them looking in that tomb and thinking those, could it be true what he said? Because that cross was brutal. We can't really fathom that. But there was an earthquake and people saw dead saints walking around and rocks were split because of the earthquake and the sky got dark and the temple that and the curtain was torn at the temple so many things happened there so many things from the scripture that happened there could they truly believe it and we know they did because they tell us about it in the witness from the scripture that it is true And how could we not believe based on the witness that they've left us? How could we not believe knowing that the words of God are true? How could we not believe seeing all the prophecies that are fulfilled in Christ? And then how could we not be alert and watching to attend to His will? Because we will have to give an answer for what we've done with what we've been given. Once saved, always saved, but... We still have to give an answer for what we've done. Have you been obedient with the authority that you've been given? Or will we hang our heads in shame before Him? Will will we have done that work? Will we have listened to the warnings to be alert? Will we have our hand on the plow looking ahead? Are we living as truly saved Or do we desire our sin more than Christ? Our last passage, look at Romans 13, 11 through 13. Romans 13, 11 through 13. Paul speaking, "Do, do this knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep, for now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone and the day is near. The morning is coming. Now, we are celebrating that glorious morning today. The risen Christ, right? The morning, He's talking about seeing Christ Himself, right? The salvation is nearer to us than when we believe. The night is almost gone. The day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. I'm going to ask the our men there to hand out the elements for communion as we come to a close of the message. Don't forget, as believers, we are slaves to Christ. He is our master. We are specifically referred to in the Greek as doulos, as slaves, as those that belong to Him. We get our marching orders from Him. Thank you. Not out of our own ideas. We don't get our marching orders from corporate ideas for how the church should go. We get 
what we should do as a church from the Scripture. From His Word. We live being on the alert. Live being at the ready. We live putting sin in our lives to death. I cannot stress that enough that we should be actively working. It is an active faith to putting those elements of sin to death in our lives. Day after day, hour after hour, minute after minute, second after second. We live looking for His return, knowing that it's going to happen. Not if it's going to happen, but knowing that it's true. Knowing that He is coming again. Knowing that this world is passing away, so don't hold on to it too tightly. Knowing that He, Jesus, on the cross, secured eternity in His presence for us. His work for us. Knowing that the love that was shown by God in enacting the new covenant that we celebrate in remembrance here. Knowing the truth and we remember with reverence the bread and the cup that was given on that night. We remember how it was given before He gave His life and spilled His blood upon that cross becoming the curse for us. As I sent out to some of you today, 1 Corinthians 15.21, For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. We remember that that blood-stained cross would be the signature of the new covenant. And that the empty tomb would be its consummation. We know it as the truth by the witness that was given to us. And it is my plea that you would know that witness and truth in your hearts. So at this moment, let's take the bread and then the cup. And then if you're not familiar, your first time here, you know, there's two kind of flaps that are there. Uh, and then I'll pray for us. And then the worship team will come in to close us out. Father God, help us. <clears throat> help us to focus on You. We know that we are allowed to sleep and to rest and to eat and to enjoy this world that You've given us, but we know that we are to do this within the boundaries that You have given us to do that in. We know that our fight, focus should be, as Philippians 1.21, to live Christ, to be found in Him, to abide in Christ and to know the cross in Him crucified. As Pastor John says and has said many times in the past that we wake up in the morning clinging to the cross so hard 